Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Welcome to Living a Life Through Books, the podcast about everything bookish. Because no character is perfect is what makes them good. I like that they all have, they're very human. Every character is. I'm your host, Dr. Shanaz Ahmed, and today is a one-on-one book discussion. I have Katie back again on my podcast, if you'll remember. Katie was on my podcast sometime last year, and very recently. She was in my mid-year check-in, and she's a member of my book club. We decided to discuss The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett. Before I go into our conversation... In case you missed the glaring spoiler alert in the beginning, consider this your spoiler alert and your last warning. There will be spoilers. Okay, now that I've got that out, this is part two of two. So let's not delay any further and let's get right to it. If Kennedy, for example, were to go to Mallard, what would happen for her there? Would she be accepted? Kennedy, who? Would Kennedy be accepted in Mallard? No, she wouldn't. She wouldn't because she's white. Mallard is white black people, like very light-skinned black people, but black. Because they still have their identity. They still identify as black. Yes, they still identify as black, but Kennedy identifies as white because she is white. She is white. And there is no identity in Kennedy. There should be no identity, really, because she's not black. So it's, yep. So what do you think? Okay, so that's the whole summary that took us (laughs) all this time. What do you think are the main themes that Britt Bennett was trying to convey with this book? What are some of the top themes you think? I think definitely when we were talking about before the idea of family and the idea of creating your own and is it traditional? Is it non-traditional? How do we make one? Um, so we have the very traditional all-American, all-American in quotes, family of um, Stella, her husband, and Kennedy. Then we have the very untraditional one of Early and Desiree, where Early comes and goes. They're never officially married. They get together when they get together. He comes, he goes, but he acts as much of a husband and a father as he can. And he is a far better husband and father than Desiree's actual husband ever was. Um, Because, um, and then we see again with um, Reese and Jude that they have a very untraditional relationship um, because they're also unmarried, um, that they're, they've been living together a long time. Everyone's like, this is weird. Why aren't you married? Why aren't you having kids yet? We don't understand. And they're like, well, for reasons that we're going to just abbreviate here, we, we're not doing that right now, but they don't right. need to explain themselves, you know? And that's what's so very modern about their relationship. And what she learned from her own mother is she's like, I don't need to explain who I love, why I love them, how I love them. 
I just love them. That needs to be enough of an explanation for you. And I'm like, yes, thank you. That it's just, I love them. That's it, period. I like that there's never a moment where she has to defend her relationship to the people that are truly mattering in her life. That she's like, this is what my life is. And they're like, okay, as long as you're happy, good to go. <laughs> right. The other theme, which is the obvious theme, is of the color divide in this country. I mean, it's just pretty obvious. There is the, there is the color divide between blacks and whites. But then there's also the color divide between darker-skinned Blacks and lighter-skinned Blacks. So I just found the color divide, the, the racism that is expressed in this book comes more from just the color and how color influences how people are treated, even within your own culture and or uh, otherwise. And then yeah, there's... so fascinating to explore within Mallard, where it's the idea of you have to be very, very light to be accepted, where it makes it all just seem so ridiculous. And they're saying with the, the sisters' distance from the town, they're able to see this is ridiculous. Like, why were we living like this? And Jude being away from the town is... Like, well, Jude, even living in the town, knew this is ridiculous. I don't know why, you know, what is going on here. Um, but it's the idea then that makes us take another step back of saying, well, why does this exist at all? You know, and I think it's such an important book on educating with race of why would racism exist when, again, we are all people. We are all, you know, the same right. genetically. We are all people. And, um, and then exactly Stella... Like had to go through this thing where she um, had to practice talking like white. She had to get rid of her cultural accent or whatever black expressions were. And she had to let that go. And she did say she practiced white expressions to become white. Because, yeah, they made the point of it's not enough that she looks white. She also has to act and sound white. And I thought it was so interesting how it's this idea that it's performative, which is something that's also like the idea with gender in the same way that Reese has to act like a certain way when he's in different society groups so even though so as Reese is transitioning he is acting like a man um and then because he's like I have to pass um because he's like I can't and he you know he puts like the sock in his pants so that he can try and you know get away with it and make sure that nobody notices anything's up but it's this idea of well, mm -hmm. what how do we talk differently when we're trying to take on an identity how do we walk differently how do we what's their inflection and all these different things and then we see that too when we're um when Reese's friends he's friends with a bunch of drag queens and it's this idea right. that you're seeing where she was saying it's the same way that Kennedy when she's going to do a performance in the theater that there's the same moment in the dressing room with the drag queens and Kennedy where they're putting on a performance of this is what gender 
is. This is how we perform it. Um, so it's really interesting that there's all these moments of someone closes their eyes in this liminal space for Stella. It's on the train car going to, like the trolley car going into work. She closes her eyes and now she's white. Um, it's the dressing room. It's these different spaces, these thresholds they cross to take on a new identity. But it's this idea that this new identity is temporary because who you are like how does it change and like who you are on the inside it's very very interesting to like i mean this i mean it was just oh my gosh the book it's i mean it's a lot of like neat themes really a lot of neat themes and i love the parallel with the uh, desiree being married to sam the black man who was abusive and then coming back to early the black man who was really the kindest of them all. So it's not, it's a very, like this parallel of saying, no, yes, my mom thinks black men are abusive, but here's early. So it's, I'm balancing it out that just because you have a certain skin color doesn't mean you perform a certain way or you behave a certain way because ultimately it's what's on your inside that counts. It's definitely a book of confronting biases head on and saying people aren't always who you think they are. And I think that's just what's so wonderful as a, because of a book, because it's so eye-opening of saying, you know, like, here are these people's struggles. You become so invested in them um, and you become so invested in their struggles against all these different obstacles in their way um and you want them to succeed and you're like well why can't they this is ridiculous that they're not you know right Um, it's an empowering book in that respect of seeing you know like these differences should not make a difference they should everyone should be able to succeed right so favorite characters what do you think let's talk characters i love jude oh my gosh um (laughs) you can't pick jude i mean everyone picks jude come on you can't you cannot pick jude because i mean jude is she's jude come on she's no powerhouse what's that because no character is perfect is what makes them good i like that they all have they're very human every character is where they all do yes. something where you're like you shouldn't have done that you should have known better i but, know jude has that spunk she has that inner heart that she just goes out there and she's just going out there oh my gosh confronting her aunt that was great i'm just like jude is just everything confronting her own the way she was treated in Mallard for being darker skinned, but yet rising above it and becoming, coming into herself. I mean, yes, she had, Reese helped her with that. You know, they helped each other just rise. They rose together, essentially, because... Because that's beautifully worded, where Reese was like, I don't want you to touch me. I don't want you. And she's like, but I, I love your body and I love all of you, you know, and because she couldn't fathom how he could love her for her body and who she was in the same way that she could do, you know, it was this idea of she's like, I right. don't understand this reciprocity because both, to them, their bodies were not representative of who they were because she's like, as a black woman, you know, I've always, she's like, I've been, uh, I've had, you know, all these racist things said against me, you know, she was mocked at school. She was like, I cannot be loved because of my skin color. And he's like, that does not matter to me. That's not like, you know, in my eyes, that's not, you know, making a difference. He's like, I love you 
you for all of who you are. And then when she looks at him, she's like, well, I love you. And he's like, well, no, because I'm not, you know, with all of these things. And it's beautiful. They're like, let's push. So you can't, you can't love Jude and Reese. I mean, you got to pick other characters because we're both going to be like, we love Jude. We love Reese. Yes. But I mean, let's talk about Stella because she did not get her redemption. She did not redeem herself. But I can't. I can't. <laughs> I mean, I know, but 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 I know you can't. But you have to. I think because okay, let me let me put it this way. Okay, let's just put it this way. What if you look at it this way that she didn't need to redeem herself? She did what was right for herself to advance herself that's the best way she knew and she couldn't take her family with her and that she wanted to but she couldn't and so she made the choice that you know what they're not going to come with me this is the right choice for us to raise our standard of living or whatever you know to switch over so that is her decision. And you can look at it this way that I'm going to just be devil's advocate. I, I don't even know why I'm doing this because I don't believe this, but what? why couldn't, why couldn't her family just accept it and be like, I'm just going to reverse it and say, why couldn't her family have the redemption to say, way to go, Stella. Don't come here. Do not come back here. Go out there prove yourself and yes go do it no do not come back to mallard you deserve more than that just go but you could reverse that right what's that that's good but on the other hand (laughs) isn't it what we say of like do what you think is best until you know better and the times change we do have a big time jump you know what happens in the 60s is different than what happens in the 80s and we see Kennedy is not opposed at all to what her family is. She's like, I just want to know. And they do have that car ride where she's like, I will tell you whatever you want in the car ride, but we're never talking about it when I get home. And I'm like, okay, that's a start. But it's like, but once you know better, you know, why couldn't you have said, Kennedy, let's go back and I will take you back. And then you can see this is my mother before she dies. You know, she never got that connection to her family. Let her meet her aunt. Let her have this moment to say you have family because, you know, once she knows my my daughter's not going to hate me forever, you know, she, the reason she hated her is because she lied to her. You know, she could have found like a better relationship through the truth. And it's like, but once she knew it was going to be okay, like she could have had that moment to go back. I know. I'm just, I'm just trying to just be obnoxious because part of me, I just, this is my obnoxious me. I'm just trying to stretch for some, just trying to create an argument here, but which I'm, I'm struggling with, but here's, oh, here's one. Here's one. I got it. You know how Mallard is all about being light-skinned black. And if you're dark-skinned black, we don't accept you. But on the same token, maybe they realize that we're still black, right? We're light-skinned black. To be white is essentially the hierarchy. 
that whites don't accept us. So they're kind of like, wow, Stella crossed over. Now she's white. She shouldn't accept us because why should we get the grace for her to accept us? I think it would be very complicated for her to go back because they did speak about Stella crossing over before and it wasn't like, oh boy, we should all do that. They were like, that's risky. We don't want to do that because that's not being who you are, you know, and you got to be, and I feel like. And Stella wasn't that anymore. She was white. She became white. She was. She became white. Like she was trying to be with the black neighbor and she was interacting with them, but she was white. She was very white. She never ever slipped when she was with the black neighbor. The black neighbor never found out that, wait a minute, is this a black girl pretending to be white? That never happened. The only reason they split is because Kennedy at the age of four or five used the N-word. That's the only reason they split. Yeah, but I feel like the split would have been inevitable at some point because I feel like she was still... You mean with the neighbor, right? You're talking about the neighbor? Yeah, with the neighbor. I feel like they would have split eventually because I think all the talk of the neighbors would have eventually at some point gotten back, you know, of her always saying, well, you know, she would have found out that she was talked badly of at some point. I feel like it could only go on so long. (laughs) Right, right. What um, year was it? Do we know? I don't remember that that neighbor. I think it was the 70s because I think it was the 80s when they were in college, I think. So it was... It was either the late 60s or like early 60s because they were really little and then we had a bit of a time jump. Right. Yeah, they were little. Right. Now I'm just trying to think in terms of uh, our country's racial struggles. Yeah. You know, we, we, I mean, you and I and, uh, you know, Deborah and Aaron, we spoke at our book club, right, about white rage. And we were talking about all the racial struggles throughout the ages. So I'm just trying to um, balance that decade. Like at what decade was that kind of happening with, you know, you have, well, you're having a black neighbor. And I'm just, I'm really curious if there are neighborhoods like that today. Just curious. Maybe, maybe not. I'm not completely sure, but I'm not sure. I'm just thinking out loud. I mean, could it happen today where you have a predominantly white neighborhood with a neighborhood association going, oh my gosh, we're getting this black neighbor? They probably wouldn't be able to say it out loud. And I I don't think it would be as much an issue. It would be an issue, but not as much of an issue as it was at that time. I don't know, but I, I don't know. But I guess looking for like final thoughts on the book, right? I think it lived up to all of the hype. Because as I said, it's the buzz book of the summer. It's the one everybody says we have to read. Do you agree? This is the book that you have to read this summer. Is this the book you have to read this summer? I'm thinking, I'm thinking because... 
I'm finding it, I'm finding it hard to separate this book from what's going on with Black Lives Matter and George Floyd. I'm trying to, I'm like, get that out of your head and just take the book for what it is. I'm trying to ask myself the question that if this was 2019 and not 2020, is this the book to read? And um, I'm going to say yes. This is the buzz book for the summer. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Because it's got, like you said, the family dynamics is just great. The dynamics of, you know, love who you love and your relationship. Create the relationship that you want that works for you. Those elements are great. The whole whole element of just race and uh, expression of it is great. And then the whole element of a heart and the twins and separation of twins and with the whole element of cousins and their relationships being of different colors. Just so many great elements to this book. So many elements of where your heart's like, oh, wow. So yeah, for this summer, sure. Not my, okay, it's not my most favorite book of all time. But if you were to take a span of so many books that I've read, you know, like if you were to throw names at me, like normal people or, you know, books like, what is that? The Odd People or Against All Odds, you know, the, do you know what? There's a book I'd have to think against. Yeah, after reading this book, you can't even think of other books. It's that good. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, but but compared to all of that, this book has a lot more elements, a lot more themes in it that's going around. So um, it's definitely a must read, an absolute must read. Yes, I would say that. I agree. I think it's in my top five for the year but I keep saying that like every book I'm like this is my top five and I feel like my top five is like 25 books long at this point which is getting ridiculous I don't Um, you know that'll be interesting as far as top five for the year um it'll probably make it to my top 10 I don't know about top five it's hard to say being halfway through. Like, I agree it is the buzz book of the summer because I think no matter when you read this book, if you're reading this 10 years from now, whatever, it's a book that sparks conversation. I mean, we've been talking for how long about this book because it's so, it makes you really like think about so many things about who you are as a person. You know, it hits you right in your heart. It has that family dynamic. It's, the characterization is beautiful because Something that I tell my students is when you're writing a character, the character has to change, you know, like there has to be conflict right. and the character change. And that's, it's beautiful because they change in expected and unexpected ways. You know, there's always an element of surprise to it. The world building is beautiful and the writing is just wonderful. Like you can tell that Britt Bennett studies people like she's one of those people that I bet just sits in like you know a mall like eating area and just looks around takes notes and it's like what's a little action that you're doing let me jot that down that I want to use that you like I bet she's like a professional people watcher because that's what the best authors are you know they sit on a bus and they go oh you turned your head that way I want that action I want that yeah look that oh your eyes yes I'm gonna write that down I loved um 
that car ride, 11 miles can mean a lifetime. Yes. 11 there's miles. There's so many good little phrases in there. Like I read it again as an ebook with Libby with the seven days and I want so badly to get a copy of the book so I can just highlight all over it and be like, I need to star this passage. And it this, just- Her expressions, so her expressions. I mean, the two expressions I remember, 11 miles, you know, in a lifetime and uh, can be can mean a lifetime and then you can drown in two feet of water that was so powerful i'm kind of like oh wow i'm like i'm just like oh oh wow okay yeah i mean she just has these great analogies that just wow you know i think there are times when i'm sitting back and it breaks my heart because it's twins that are broken apart. And with Kennedy and Jude not becoming best friends at the end, I know, I know, I know, I know Kennedy's white. I get all of it. But I think for me, I personally have a very close relationship with my cousins, my first cousins. We are sisters. I mean, we are like sisters we like played together we grew up together our heart I mean it's just it's the bond of first cousins is so so strong at least for me it is and to see Kennedy and Jude have this relationship breaks my heart I, I don't know it just my heart is broken because of that and then to have these twins split and just, I don't know. I, so based on that, I believe a book is really good if randomly you're sitting there and suddenly you're thinking about these characters or these events. And I definitely think this book will haunt you. And I think it will keep coming back to you. At some point in your life, you'll be like, oh my gosh. I read this book with these twins. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It was the vanishing half. It was just crazy. And then, you know, a lot of these elements will keep haunting you. And so that's what makes a powerful book. So that's why it's the best book of the summer. Absolutely. It's one of those books that I feel like is going to be on required reading lists in like 10 years. Like, I feel like looking back, it's going to be something that people read in college as one of their, like, you know, intro to whatever courses. Like, I feel like it's going to be something that people read. Like, because I think it has so much that can be studied from so many different perspectives. And I think as a historical fiction book, it does so much to inform us of that period with all those little snapshots. Like, I feel like it's something that, like, looking back, it's going to be one of those ones that people are like studying academically. Like, I feel like it has that level of potential for discussion in it. And I feel like a lot of books have potential for discussion, but this one I feel like is just so heightened because it's so thoughtful in everything it does, you know? Like, she is such a del deliberate author in how she writes. I agree. I, I mean, I absolutely agree. We'll have to see. 10 years, we'll have this podcast again, and we'll be like, all right. <laughs> I'll be like, Katie, welcome back. We're going to talk about The Vanishing Half. That's college-required textbook, or is not. <laughs> uh, I, I do want to bring up something 
about this book, which just happened because I just happened to be looking at your Instagram profile just before we were talking. And the reason I looked at your Instagram profile, not because I was stalking you, um, but because you had mentioned that Britt Bennett like your post on Instagram. So I wanted so to see, exciting. I know this is so great. So I wanted to see the post and I got confused because you have two back-to-back -back posts. Your first post is the girl with the louding voice by Abhi Dare. And your second book, the next post is The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett. And if you look at those covers, they look very similar. Now I gotta look at this. Let me pull up my picture. Yeah, pull it up. The, the, because I'm going back and forth. I'm going, okay. I also was wearing the same outfit because I did them all on the same no, day. No, no, no. I wasn't looking at you. I was not looking at you. Not that, I mean, you're gorgeous and everything. I wasn't looking at you curious. though. I was, like, I was looking at those book covers because they have my, very similar color palettes to them. Like, and yes. it's just the outline of the face. Like, nothing's, like, filled in on them. That's interesting. Because for a minute, I looked at the girl with the louding voice, and I thought that was the, the vanishing half. And I'm going, no, this is the girl with the louding voice. What the heck? So then I had to go, oh. And that, I was like, oh. I was just very intrigued by that that you have two books by black authors. Britt Bennett is black, right? I'm assuming, I don't know. Yes. Okay, um, so you have two books by black authors that look so similar. And this thought crossed my head that are they trying, are they trying to I don't know, make a stereotype of four black authors. Like black books have these colors and this look. I just, the, I don't know. The thought just crossed me. I will just leave it out there for our listeners to just think about potentially because um, I don't know how I feel about that either. I mean, I like it, and then I don't. I, I don't know. I'm still processing that one. But don't you agree the covers are similar? They are. And I remember somebody on Bookstagram pointed out that a lot of them, that a lot of books by Black authors that feature Black female characters have all the same silhouette on the cover. And I was like, wow. Like, because it's, if you think about it when you're at a bookstore, you know, we all judge books by their covers. Like, let's not lie to ourselves. Um, <laughs> I don't, but <laughs> I don't, but. <laughs> if I'm browsing, I can tell really quickly what the vibe of a book's going to be. Like, if I'm in the wise section and I've seen a girl with a ball ground with a sword, I'm like, I know what I'm getting from this book, you know? Right. Like, and I know, I can tell from a book's cover what's going to be a dystopian book. I can tell what's going to be a chiclet book. I can tell what's a mystery book because they have a very, they have a vibe to them. You know, you need to be able to know just flipping through because that's what marketing does. You need to have something familiar to you. You need to know what the brand is, you know, in the same way that you're at the supermarket and you're like, oh, that's goldfish. I can recognize that, you know, like right. the way you pick up on it. So I think that's really interesting where you're saying that these books are getting grouped together. Well, what are they, what are, what are we branding this as, you know? And like, and it's significant, like how it's branded, like what is that saying about it? So that's really like, 
interesting that you pointed that out. I just, you know, okay, if I was a blatant racist and I was anti-black, this would be a great way for publishers to tell me, oh, these are black authors. You don't even have to look at these books because they're black authors because you don't like black people. Just, I'm just throwing that, I, I'm just throwing that thought out there. I'm just being, like I said, I love to be the devil's advocate. I don't know why, but we have to, we, I don't know, we have to think outside the box and we have to think on how these covers benefit us, but we also have to think of how these covers may not benefit us and how they could hurt us, but could they hurt us? I don't know. I'm just, I'm thinking in terms of being a white supremacist and if I was a white supremacist and you're trying to get someone to read this book, they wouldn't even pick it up. But maybe if they didn't know about it and they picked it up, they may get exposed to it. I, I don't know. I'm still processing it. But then again, I, I mean, it's just, it's so complicated. You I think still it's so important to have... You want to give them their identity, though. You still yeah. want to give Blacks their identity. They are Black. They want to be known for being Black. And this is a Black author. So I don't want to wipe that identity away either. So I'm just processing the whole thing. And I, I think it's so amazing that, like, you know, kids and adults can look at a book and be like, I can already tell this character looks like me, that this is a story that publishers deem as important and that this is something that, you know, my story matters. And look, that's a face that looks like mine on the cover. And I think that that's something that so many people, like, take for granted. Um, and I think that it's really exciting that, you know, oh, wow, we're seeing more and more books where we're seeing, like, Black protagonists and we're seeing them on the cover, and that's amazing. And it's great that we're seeing all of that because I think that makes a big difference if you have a reluctant reader who you know says well these stories don't interest me you know this isn't you know I want to read something that you know I can relate to but then to be able to look at it and say oh well I can tell just from looking at the cover this this is my kind of book you know like this person looks like me I'm looking at uh, the cover right now I'm looking at your Instagram profile right now and you said there's a face on these covers I'm missing For it. the vanishing half, if you look closely, um, the cover is um, like the twin girls' faces. Like they're. <gasps> oh my gosh! I see it. Oh my god! I just. <gasps> I I missed it. I oh my oh wow! Completely missed it because it looks like. Oh wow! Oh my gosh! I just thought it was like, if you look from a distance, it just looks like blobs of color. Yeah, because I mean, I feel like that's very like. Okay, let me look at the girl with the louding voice. You said that. Okay, that I see. That's the outline of her face. And then no, there's. No, I see the face. I actually see the face and I see. And then there's flowers, flowers that have pages on them. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I see, I see that. But I just. Um, okay. But they look very. Yeah. Oh, wow. You're right. The two faces. That was, that's brilliant. It's brilliant artwork there. All right. So, any last thoughts about. The Vanishing Half. 
Mm, I just have to say, really excited about it because I'm always scared of being let down when books are hyped up, when they're a book club pick, any of those things, because I'm like, because it was the Barnes and Noble book club pick. And I was, you know, and I'm like, oh man, I trust their recommendations. I really hope this is good. Because I always get scared when books are hyped up that they're not going to live up to the hype. Like that was my fear with Where the Crawdads Sing. That was my fear with Educated. I'm like, they've been on the bestseller list for so long, so I know they should be good because everyone's buying it. But like, what if it's not? Was good and I was just like oh this is good this deserves all of the hype I'm so glad I was not let down that's always my fear you know when everyone's like it's so good you're gonna love it I'm like what if I don't you will love it you know and that's and I hate saying that because then I'm like you know everyone likes different things but I personally loved it because I think there's something in there for everybody you know I think that it's really powerful really well written um and for me it lived up to all of the hype I totally understand why all of the media outlets are raving about it. I understand why Bookstagram is raving about it. You know, I can see why so many different people can like, you know, why it resonates with them. Cause it definitely resonated with me and I loved it. Right. I did not know that Barnes and Noble picked this book for their book club. I had heard that uh, Good Morning America had picked this book for their book club, but did not know about Barnes and Noble. But my last thought is on the note of a book club that if any of my listeners are part of a book club, I would highly, highly, highly recommend you pick this book, The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett for your book clubs. Lots, lots, lots to unload, lots to discuss. It will be, it will be a good time. So those it's are my book club thoughts. material. <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's total it's total book club material. And on that note, I'm gonna say um, thanks for being on my podcast, Katie. Thank you so much for having me again. It's always a pleasure. And that's it for this episode. Some housekeeping notes that I will also add to my show notes. You can reach Katie on Instagram. Her handle is underscore katie.reads. That's underscore K-A-T-I-E dot reads. You can reach me through Instagram or Facebook on Living a Life Through Books. Or you can email me at livingalifethroughbooks at gmail.com. Would love to hear from you. As always, please share this podcast with your family and friends and Share it on your social media pages. I thank you. If you loved this episode or any of my previous episodes, please consider writing me a review on Apple Podcasts. Or here's the link to write me a review. Go to www.ratethispodcast.com backslash living a life through books. The opening and closing music to this and all my previous episodes was composed by my husband, Brad Slavic. I'm Dr. Shanaz Ahmad with Living a Life Through Books, signing off. Remember to water the seeds within you. It's time.